just like save animals and do good things. <laughs> Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, hello. It's time for another episode of the podcast that has a host that is currently mentally improvising a parody of You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon, replacing the lyrics, When You Call Me, You Can Call Me Al, with A kangaroo is a marsupial, marsupial, the Rasafari podcast. And... Yes, every time I sing that in my head, I then immediately hear the flute solo start up. My head is a strange place, y'all. The intro for today's episode is going to talk a lot about how weird the internet is, so I may as well start off by reminding you some of the cool stuff you can find on the internet. Don't forget that Rossafari is available on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari. I post daily pics and frequently add to my story, including a ton of stuff that pertains to each episode on the days they drop. You can also listen to the pod, see my pics, and learn more about me at rossafari.com. Patreon.com slash rossafari is where to find ways to support the podcast and get cool stuff in return, and rossafari.redbubble.com is a great place to find merch for yourself or to give as gifts to fans of the show. Finally, make sure you've clicked subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and if you're able, leave a five-star rating and maybe even a quick review. Thanks. Okay, y'all, I hope this isn't too controversial of a take, but the internet is weird. Like, really, really strange. Even as a person who has built an entire brand that exists only on the internet, I am confused by it regularly. I bring this up because my guest on today's episode recently had a video go viral, but you've probably never heard her name, which is Lauren Lott. Lauren is a keeper at the Nashville Zoo at Grasmere, who spends much of her time taking care of kangaroos including one day when she wore a kangaroo costume to work around Halloween. A video taken of Lauren hopping around in her costume has over 1 million views on Instagram alone, not to mention being seen all over TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and who knows where else. Lauren discusses the viral video and her experience with it in the interview, so I'll leave that to her. But I also have to point something out. So many of the copies of the video out there have incredibly misleading information that the poster just clearly made up. The biggest one I see constantly is people posting about it and saying that the kangaroo Joey is an orphan. Inaccurate. I've also seen it as supposedly taking place in Australia and possibly being part of the kangaroo's rehab after surviving the Australian wildfires. It all just blows my mind. It's not like the video isn't good enough on its own. The internet is a weird place. I guess I'm saying all this to remind you to question what you see online, always. 
even the most innocuous stuff can be misinformation in disguise. Whether that's in the search of a few more clicks, or because people just assume stuff and then believe it's true, I don't know. But I digress. I'm not actually bringing you Lauren as a guest today because of her viral video, but because she is an awesome human and a great keeper. She's also a really talented graphic designer who started Kairos Creature Collective, a conservation-minded clothing company you'll hear her discuss in the interview. Get ready for an interview with the most famous zookeeper you've never heard of, Lauren Lott of the Nashville Zoo at Grasmere and Kairos Creature Collective. All right, so Lauren, tell me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. Hi, I am Lauren Lott. I work at the Nashville Zoo, which we are currently sitting in, um, and I also run Kairos Creature Collective. Okay, very cool. Uh, so what do you do here at Nashville? I am, for the most part, the kangaroo zookeeper. The kangaroo zookeeper. The, can- uh, the chosen one. Okay, there's a couple of us, <laughs> um, but uh, that is my main my main gig. They're my kids. That's what I do every day here. And they literally are your kids in the sense that, not that you had them, but that sometimes with the Joeys, you have to walk around with one in a little pouch. For sure. Uh, Right now, I am hand-raising one particularly cute kangaroo named Emmeru. Okay, so normally I start off with about you, but tell me about Emma. Um, She's very small, very cute, very lovable, and that's not interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Nervous interviews are my favorite interviews. <laughs> uh, she was um, born here, and her mom is very shy, so we started borrowing her towards the end of her being in the pouch, and we are finishing raising her. Uh, she's about seven months old, so she's reaching the age where she's like a toddler. She gets in the pouch, uh, like an artificial pouch, so I carry her around, and uh, she still gets in and out. She's learning to eat adult foods and do adult things and run 40 miles an hour, but now she doesn't know how to stop, so it's getting really complicated, Uh, but she's cute. (laughs) That's awesome, and she is. She's really, really cute. Um, Okay, so tell me, what is the goal with, like, hand-raising her? What are you guys trying to to do with Emma? Yeah, so um, her mom is one of our shyest kangaroos, so we are hand-raising her to help her – live her best life in a zoo setting. She needs people social skills as well as animal social skills. She already got the animal ones from her mom, so we are giving her the people social skills. And why does she need people social skills? Tell me about the uh, exhibit here. Our exhibit is a walkthrough. So um, those are getting quite a bit more popular in zoos. I know Cincinnati just opened one. Um, at the time when ours opened, there were only 13 in the country. I'm not sure how many there are now, but there's a lot more. Um, in ours, people can actually pet the kangaroos if they come over to the designated pathway. So um, we're hoping that she chooses to uh, hang out with people a lot, and hand-raising her helps make that more possible. 
Very cool. And, um, you know, animals, I know that we, we always try to give animals choice when we do things. Exactly. So do the ruse kind of learn that, hey, if we're near or on the pathway, we're going to get bothered. But if we want to stay away from people, we can go over here. Do they, like, know what their safe space is? Totally. And uh, they abuse the system on both sides of the spectrum. We have a kangaroo named Ima who lays on the path. And there is a line out the door most days of people just waiting to pet her because she insists um, and she will give you disdain if you skip. <laughs> <laughs> she loves it. Uh, well, that's anthropomorphic. But uh, we think that she must because she does it every single day. And then we have kangaroos who will stand just arms reach from the path they know. And if they get just a hair too close, they do this like sad little sidestep that's like such a tease to the guests. <laughs> that's awesome. And speaking of your young Roo, you recently went viral on the interwebs. So, um, tell me your thoughts on that whole experience. Well, I think the interesting thing about this video, so if you haven't seen it, um, I am basically dressed in a kangaroo Halloween costume and a Joey's following me around. We're hopping together and then it jumps into a pouch head first, does a little somersault. It's very cute. People love it. Um, but the weird thing about going viral is that, uh, our animals do stuff like that every day, all the time that we know is super cute because we know them so well. And I think when you don't know the animals, like little, um, personality quirks and things like that, uh, we like point out things to guests all the time that we're like, look how cute that animal's being. And they don't get it. So I had no expectation that that video would take off like it did because the Joey somersaults into her pouch every single time and she always clings to my leg like that and it's just an everyday occurrence. The only difference was in this situation, I was wearing a very silly costume for a Halloween event um, that night. So I don't know. I You just don't expect things to take off the way that we do. The girl who took the video was like, yeah, we should probably post that to our uh, ASAC account and see if people like it. And we did. And it went crazy overnight. So I, you just never know. It's, it's a weird thing. And just to further illustrate never knowing what's going to take off, uh, we thought, oh, we have a thing here. So we went and got a red panda onesie and we put the panda keeper in with the panda. And, you know, it did that cute little thing where they're unsure of things, where they hold their hands up. And, you know, I guess maybe non-animal people don't know that that's like the cutest thing that they do. And it didn't take off in the same way. So, <laughs> yeah, who knows what makes viral videos viral, but it was definitely a strange experience. I've even had old friends come up to me and be like, hey, I saw you in a video and it was super cute. I saw it on like Tumblr or Instagram or TikTok, which I'm not even on. So I don't know how this video is getting around. Um, and like a couple of days after the video took off, I was visiting Cincinnati and I was in their very new kangaroo exhibit talking to like their um, attendant person and I was just asking questions and asking if they were breeding and, um, you know, they weren't going to have any joeys and I guess joeys just sparked her brain and she was like, oh, I just saw the cutest video of a keeper with a joey and it like she's wearing a costume and it jumps in a pouch and I was like, oh, actually that was me. So I've already had like a weird fan experience, if you can call it that. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's talk about the person in the kangaroo suit. Lauren, oh, no. <laughs> the most important subject of this interview. Tell me about yourself. How did you get into keeping? 
Oh, well, I am not your average biology major turned zookeeper. I went to college for graphic design, and I was pursuing a graphic design degree after college. I ran into one of my classmates at a bicycle shop, and I was like, oh, you're having a hard time finding your graphic design job, too? And he was like, no, um, I am working here part-time and doing design for them as well. So he was kind of doing this like halfway in the door thing. It's like every other career. They want you to have stupid amounts of experience to get the first job. Um, So he was like, you should try to do the same thing. Find somewhere that you're interested in working, um, but then do the graphic design. And I was like, what would be fun? (laughs) So uh, there was this little zoo like 30 minutes north of where I was living. And I drove up there. And I said, hey, do you guys need a graphic designer or, like, graphic design work done? And they were like, we need signs. We need maps. We need all this stuff. And I was like, I could be a cashier on the side, and I could do all of that stuff for you. And they hired me on the spot. Um, What happened was, though, is it was springtime, and um, it was a pretty small operation. A lot of people would refer to the place that I was working as a roadside zoo, but it was a good little place, not a sketchy little place. And... um, They hadn't hired their seasonal animal care staff yet, so they ended up needing a lot of help with the animals. Uh, I never touched a computer. I made a map eventually, (laughs) but I ended up uh, in about eight months in charge of half of the zoo. So so I guess I was okay at zookeeping, and after about a year of working there, I was living on my cousin's porch because I didn't have any money. It was like a built-in, like screened-in sort of situation. And I um, was getting a little pressure to use my degree and follow the career path that I was supposed to have. Um, But I was really sad, and I I left the zoo. I moved home. I got my dream graphic design job, which was in apparel design for, um, like, the entertainment industry. So I was doing pro sports. music industry, stuff in Vegas, and oddly enough, zoos and aquariums. <laughs> so I was excited about that transition. Um, worked there for a year and was really, really sad. Um, I missed the zoo life. I think once you get that in your skin, you can't get it out. And I started looking into what it would look like to make a shift in careers. Um, I had heard about Um, some people who had gone through the intern program about at the Cincinnati Zoo and had a really great experience. And I'm from Nashville. I'm lucky to work in Nashville too, but I wanted to end up at home. That was really important to me. So um, I applied for the internship at Cincinnati, not too far away, about a four hour drive. Uh, Some really great people took a chance on me having such a weird background, did that, um, Got a great zoo education from them. Uh, Did some wildlife rehab on the side. Learned some more skills. And landed my dream job in Nashville about a year later. Well, there you go. And how long have you been at Nashville? I am working on my fourth year. Amazing. Uh, Have you been with the Roos the whole time? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I do take care of um, several other animals in our department. We have um, porcupines. We have goats and farm animals. And um, we had cockatoos for a while. I have a civet. So there's a few little things, but uh, oh, the, cool. the roos are my jam. I didn't even know that you had a civet. That's really yeah, neat. Yeah, they're pretty unusual to see. Um, yeah. Very me, shy. Tell me about your civet. <laughs> yeah, his name is Kasai. Our zoo actually has um, 
I believe we have 11 of the uh, banded palmsipits. Uh, they're pretty unusual. Um, and he was the first one born here. He actually has a sister as well who lives at another zoo now. But um, we're hoping to train him to be an ambassador animal. So something people can finally see. They are off exhibit, so not something you get to see at the National Zoo. Very, very cool. So what exactly is your department? That's such a <laughs> uh, mix of animals. Yeah, um, our department is called the contact area department. So um, we take care of most animals at the zoo that the public get to interact with or touch um, or go in exhibits with. So kangaroo walkthrough, petting zoo kind of situation. And how is that different than ambassadors? It's not different other than that we are manning our exhibits 24-7 interpreting all the open hours. So um, uh, it's just different in that it's within the exhibit instead of without. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Very, very cool. So I have so many questions. Oh, no. <laughs> um, tell me about this this zoo that you were at as far as just like what kind of animals are you taking care of and everything? Oh, well, I started with kangaroos. Um, it's It was a mostly Australian-themed little zoo. Uh, the original owners were from Australia, and it sits on top of a cave. So if you know the zoo, you might start to guess where it is. <laughs> I won't name drop it. Um, but it's uh, definitely got an Australian theme. There's kangaroos, a lot of parrot species, a lorikeet um, feeding area. Uh, we also had dingoes and a serval and, oddly enough, ring-tailed lemurs and kawadi and all kinds of stuff. Um, kind of a bit of a menagerie. Okay. And so what was it like for you, with a background in graphic design, to go to a zoo and, like, just, like, how did you learn to become a keeper? Um, ooh, I don't know. I think just kind of accidentally. Um, I had this conversation with the first person who interviewed me for a job and they were kind of like, I mean, why should I give you a chance? And I was kind of, I, I couldn't really defend myself. It was kind of like, I don't have formal training, but I did learn kind of trial by fire. <laughs> Honestly, it was like, um, I learned what not to do from watching people do things that they shouldn't. And I learned, um, from things that you hear <laughs> and my instincts just told me, you know, what was kind of good and bad zookeeping. And once I started learning about accredited zoos, I kind of went, wow, yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing needs. There needs to be more of. Um, so that's kind of a hard question to answer. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, I'm going to push you on it a little bit. Okay, so um, you go there, and it's your you know first day working with a new animal. <laughs> what happens? And and you can pick any animal or just keep it vague. But like, how do you find out you know what the lock system is? Is this protected contact or not? What does it eat? How much does it eat? How do you get all that information? <laughs> uh, I was I can tell you I was pretty nervous when I first started working with kangaroos because. Um, they're not a dog or a cat. And I knew that. Um, some people don't know that. <laughs> and um, so, you know, kangaroos, they they grab and they kick forward, which, you know, as a kid, you might be taught, don't walk behind a horse. Well, walk behind a kangaroo. That's the safe place. Right, right. Um, so I had to learn things like that. But I, I remember 
I remember specifically being afraid to like crouch down in front of a kangaroo because I was scared it would just grab me by the neck while it was in like face height. <laughs> uh, but that never happened. So um, I was just scared of things that didn't actually exist. But I guess that's good to just approach it with caution because you don't know. I think if I had have approached everything with just like this cowboy sensibility, I would have gotten my teeth kicked out pretty early. Right. And when, when was it that you got your teeth kicked out? Because that's just... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, did you hear about that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. So you go to Cincinnati and you are an intern. Mm-hmm. And what department were you in? I, uh, you may have heard of this department at the Cincinnati Zoo. It is the ambassador animal department. So, I, so you were an interpretive intern? I was an interpretive intern, and it was wonderful. And that means, of course, for those listening, that you worked with the one, the only, the legendary Colleen Adams. I did. And that also means that you uh, got to know Isla and yes. Sal. I was actually and there Andy. when... Um, Maybe. See, did I meet? I don't think I was there for Sal. Um, I actually was there when Isla arrived at Cincinnati Zoo. She was mostly in quarantine during my my time there, but um, yeah, I was there. That's amazing. And that led to a shirt. <laughs> so let's transition for a minute to Kairos. Okay. And tell me about this company and tell me about the Tamandua shirt and then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Where to start? Um, so I... Of course, had this graphic design background and a lot of dreams that I still wanted realized in some way. And um, I started playing with the idea of uh, starting a t-shirt company or a apparel company that does conservation work on the side. And um, I think it's really hard to find in general, like ethical companies to shop from. Um, So I was excited about the idea of like, um, sourcing everything ethically and, um, doing good business that was green and, um, making everything matter. But, um, I didn't really know where to start. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, but I knew the people and the animals that inspired me. So Colleen is definitely on that list. And those tomandos are definitely on that list. And I remember her sending me this picture of, uh, Isla and Manny, and um, I couldn't get over it. I just thought about it all the time. It's so cute. Uh, there's been a couple, but that one, that one, that one really <laughs> she stuck takes out. A lot of that. I just kept looking at it, thinking like, "Man, that's a shirt. That's got to be a shirt." Um, but I knew I wanted it to be like culturally inspired, so I started looking at like um, Brazilian tattoos and stuff like that. So um, that design has like a lot of thought into it. It's it's got some Brazilian tribal art in it. Um, it's got, of course, the root picture that is infamous in my mind. I hope it's in everybody's minds these days. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I I wanted to tribute Colleen's relationship with Isla because I think it's so special. And I think when you have those relationships, it really um, pushes forward the messaging that she's trying to get out there. Absolutely. And so Kairos Creature Collective. Yes, I've never heard of one of these Kairos creatures, so (laughs) I kid. But tell me what Kairos means. So uh, Kairos, the definition is actually the right, critical, or opportune moment for a decision or action, um, which I think just relates to conservation really well. Um, It actually comes from, like, Greek mythology. There's, like, a guy, uh, Kairos, and there's another guy, Kronos. And um, Kronos is the guy with, like, the... um, 
the sand, uh, what do you call those things? <laughs> the, the hourglass or whatever? Hourglass, okay. yeah. yeah. The sand hourglass. Um, and then Kairos actually has like a archery bow. Um, and so it kind of refers to something that takes like precision to um, hit. And I think with the popularity of animals and fashion and everything like that, what I'm trying to hit is a critical moment to hit my mission statement. You know what I'm going to ask next. What is your mission it's statement? It's not written down. I don't have it yet, but it's basically just like save animals and do good things. <laughs> save animals and do good things. Do good you stuff, heard it y'all. here first. All right. Amazing. So um, if somebody wants to uh, help save animals and do good stuff, uh, where can they go to find that? Um, it's www.kairoscreaturecollective.com. Um, we've got a little more than tomandos. I, I yeah, did, tell us about some of the other designs. Yeah, sure. I did two initial collections to benefit the first two um, organizations that I'm highlighting. So um, when I first started the company back right before pandemic, uh, uh there was a lot going on with the wildfires in Australia, and I'm really in love with Aussie Ark, who um, is basically doing breeding programs and population um, programs to bolster wild populations and really cool, like, fencing projects and stuff. So um, I'm sending money to them, and I did quite a few Australian designs. Uh, then I also, after I did the Isla um, design, I focused on... Instituto Tamandua, and they uh, do stuff with armadillos, sloths, tamanduas, anteaters. So there's a few of those designs, and then there's some random ones thrown in, so take a look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. And um, how's it going so far? Um, I started a business at a poor time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's going. Um so the nature of my business, if you want to get really technical, I can. Yeah, let's um, do it. <laughs> so I do something called drop shipping, which um, people who are savvy might roll their eyes at that. But I think it's a really green practice. Basically, when you order a shirt, uh, it is made there on the spot. There's no waste. Um, I'm not overproducing and having to, like, clearance stuff out. Um, and then it ships straight to your door. So I actually don't ever see it. <laughs> uh, but... The bad thing about that is it takes a, quite a few people to make that happen, um, like a production facility, you might say. <laughs> and those got shut down for quite a while during COVID. So um, I had a lot of problems early on with shipping and had to kind of pump the brakes on a lot of stuff I had planned. So it's just now normalizing. Uh, and that has been unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, that is that is unfortunate. But I will say... That you have a lot of support in the community. Yeah, I've got some really great friends who have been helping me out. Colleen. <laughs> Colleen, Kara McSweeney, who's Kara. another guest. She's, uh, she's actually the person who I first heard about you from. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was before I spoke to Colleen. And Kara and I were roommates. Crazy world. Nice. Amazing. Um, what was it like living with Hermione Granger? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know that I took those pictures of her? You're the... I photoshopped those pictures. This is amazing. Okay, so for those of you that are listening, if you have not heard it, there are two episodes with somebody named Kara McSweeney. And um, Kara looks a lot like Hermione Granger. She does. Uh, and and there's a whole story where, where Kara talks about her friend 
unnamed me. friend who who is now sitting across from me in, in this interview. So lots of neat full circle uh, moments here today. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting John. Mm. Okay, so if you haven't figured this out yet, I love so many of the people that I have gotten to know through doing this podcast. But without a doubt, Lauren, Colleen Adams, and Kara McSweeney are three of the coolest and neatest people. And they have gone out of their way to encourage me with Ross Safari, give me cool animal experiences, and just be really good friends. And as you heard, they all really love each other. So I couldn't help myself. I set it up telling all of them that I needed to talk to them just quickly on Zoom about something for Rasafari. They all instantly agreed, and I surprised them all by hopping on Zoom, and boom, they were all with some of their best friends. The initial reaction was hilarious. Oh, uh, what? Hi, everyone. Hi. What? Hi! I did a thing. You did. We ended up talking for almost two hours, and it was so much fun. These people are such amazing humans. And I think that's something I've really learned from doing this podcast. I got into this because I was so in love with the animals, and I still obviously am. But the people who work with animals are just incredible. It gave me so much joy to be able to give this little gift to them. And uh, I wanted to share a little bit of that with y'all. All right, back to the interview. I'm beginning to find that the zookeeping world is a incredibly small world. Yeah, we oh, we know each other. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. All right. So uh, before we get back to your keeping stuff, is there anything else you want to talk about with Kairos? I have no idea. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, creator of Kairos Creature Collective. I did it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about animals. Who's your favorite kangaroo? Oh. Come on, you have one. Don't yeah, pretend you don't. But it changes. I promise you, I promise you that the kangaroos won't listen. Okay, my first favorite is Ruby. She is very smart and mischievous. Um, She... Likes to turn over my trash cans when I rake leaves, and it's <laughs> very annoying, but also very cute. Um, one that's creeping up on me is Sapphire. I know all these gemstone names. Um, she was a particularly hard kangaroo to train, but also has totally turned a corner. So those are always, like, the best animal relationships where it's like, right. uh, you were scared of me, and now we're, like, best friends. <laughs> so why was it hard, and how did you overcome it? Um, she's a total spaz, so that made it particularly difficult. Um, we took on this really ambitious goal, uh, about this time last year to train all of our kangaroos to allow us to check their pouches because, um, we got a breeding recommendation for the SSP, um, to start breeding kangaroos. So we wanted to check on them and, um, watch their development, which, um, this zoo had never done before. So, uh, that was ambitious, not only in scale, we have uh, 11 females, so quite a few to train, and um, quite a few difficult individuals, Sapphire being one of them, who, she's not antisocial, she's just really unpredictable, um, but it turns out she loves snacks, specifically juice-soaked grain, so 
Uh, she loves grain and she comes up to me for snacks all the time now. And I feel really great about it. That's awesome. Very <laughs> cool. Um, so you mentioned some of the, the nomenclature being gemstones. Mm. Um, do you tend to name in groups? How does that work? Yeah. Historically, we have with the kangaroo exhibit, uh, the first babies, which I wasn't here for, um, but kind of got to watch grow into adulthood. Um, they are gemstones. So we had ruby, sapphire, emerald, but there were a few gemstones. And then um, this recent batch of Joey's, their dad's name is Reuben, and his name is spelled R-O-O-B-E-N. So all of his children are getting uh, weird Rue names. So we have Prudence and Gertrude and Ruthie and Trudy. So <laughs> And they're all still spelled with the R-O-O? Yeah, it's Amazing. a little silly. Um, we're hoping for a boy. The first boy is going to be Brutus. I'm particularly nice. excited about that name. Nice, nice. So I'm curious, with the uh, SSP breeding rack, I know that normally with most species, um, it's very specific about what individual can breed with what individual. Mm -hmm. All of your kangaroos are just kind of hanging out together. So how does that work? Yeah, um, that is complicated. So Reuben was actually recommended to breed with five of our ladies. Um, we don't know his future recommendations or if he will kind of land and stay with us. Um, with kangaroos, we're not doing a species uh, so much survival plan as we are managing the U.S. population because they are not endangered. So it's not as critical that he not breed with everybody, um, but it is critical that he breed with the certain individuals that were selected. Um, so he gets his run of the mill. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and what is the society of kangaroos like? Uh, are they matriarchal, patriarchal, um, just kind of all chilling together? Uh, Kind of similar to like a lion pride. So the boys do get out for breeding dominance if there's more than one. Um, the weaker one gets pushed out or pushed to the outskirts. Um, there is a bit of a pecking order with the females, but it's really just over food and snacks. Um, there's not a ton of like research pointing out other uh, jobs within the group, but um, I see certain individuals act like sentries more often than others and uh, they're not super protective of each other, though. They're pretty selfish. Okay. It's well, fine. Yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, what, what do you wish that you could tell every human being that is walking into your exhibit as far as how to behave and what, what to expect and all of that? Um, don't touch kangaroos on the faces. They don't like it. It's like cussing them out. <laughs> it's literally fighting words. Um, that's how they start fights with each other. So when people touch them on the face, they don't like it. And sometimes people try to argue with me about that. Um, wait, okay. How? People will be like, no, look how she's moving her head. She loves it. And I'm like, that's her trying to restrain herself from slapping you. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't ever believe us because they have dogs at home that love it. Yeah. That was catty response i'm sorry <laughs> no i loved it uh, no that was great that that may be the whole clip at the beginning <laughs> oh, so, no. Like, no i'm kidding <laughs> my boss is gonna be like i heard that podcast <laughs> don't listen megan <laughs> <laughs> i'm leaving all of this in you're Good, just gonna sound great. like a nutter <laughs> i'm gonna get fired <laughs> all right so um you said that you work with porcupines yeah what a little kind? bit uh we have we have cape we thought initially that they were uh, African crested, but they're cape. 
Okay, I guess I actually have to ask the question. So tell me about your Cape Porcupines. Um, we have a male and female, and they are also uh, in a breeding SSP situation. So we had porcupets last year, and they were very cute and very tiny. Um, they look like spiky potatoes, just like you would expect when they come out. And they have so much attitude when they're born. They stomp their little feet at you just like the adults do, which I don't know if people know that, but porcupines stomp their feet and rattle their little quills when they're mad and babies are apparently always mad they'll (laughs) run at you stomping their feet um and they moved to little rock i think uh not too long ago but we're hoping for more kiddos soon maybe uh maybe within the next month or two oh we're hoping we think she might be with child (laughs) okay and so for a small animal like that do you you know, do you do an ultrasound? Do you do anything like that? Uh, or do you just funny story? <laughs> so, uh, we did ultrasound train Macaulay is her name and she stands up on this cute little pedestal and they scan her belly. And we had them, I think ultrasound her two days before she gave birth. And they were like, Nope, no babies in there. (laughs) (laughs) And then lo and behold, there were in fact babies in there. (laughs) Uh, so sometimes you just don't know. <laughs> fair, fair. That's that's really funny. Yeah, it was it was funny. So um, you did some work in rehab as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me all about that. I did wildlife rehab for this great place called Walden's Puddle uh, near Nashville, and I it was the craziest job I've ever had. Honestly, um, I've never worked so hard. I've never earned so much respect for um other people who have who live in that uh environment i learned that i could not do it forever um it is intense it's a lot you give so much you smell so bad (laughs) uh but yeah it's it's crazy um the thing that i probably took the most from that is hand raising babies um i got really good at like tube feeding stuff which is an unusual skill (laughs) uh or just like feeding 50 baby squirrels within 10 minutes it's it's a lot (laughs) so what kind of animals were you taking care of uh pretty much everything native to tennessee other than skunks and bats so we had squirrels and possums and fox and raccoons and uh oh something really exciting flying squirrels which oh most people don't even know are here no they're, i did not know they were around yeah here. that's cool uh, we have eastern flying squirrels here they're maybe the cutest thing i've ever seen they look a lot like sugar gliders um deer bobcats vultures Birds of prey in right, general, right. songbirds, everything. <laughs> and and um, was this before or after the zoo? I was uh, interning here at the Nashville Zoo um, while I was working rehab, which is maybe why it was too much. Also, <laughs> that that could that could have something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, I was overdoing it for sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. So um, with Kairos. You have a focus on conservation, right? This isn't just a way for you to make some cash. You're trying to help out the world. No, I'm currently making zero cash. <laughs> um, Heard, girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I give $2 of every order to conservation, which currently right now is probably my entire profit. Um, so $1 is going to each one that I've got picked out. Very cool. And what? Um, tell me about conservation. Just like your heart and conservation. 
Um, I guess coming from the art world, I'm super interested in like, how do you make the common person not only identify with animals, but like adopt animals in um, the sense that like, I must buy everything that a red panda's on. That would be weird. I can't think of. Yeah, I'm looking at you. Yeah, you are. (laughs) I'm realizing right now that I have just right here with me a hoodie, a necklace, two stickers, and one of those little things that bites your phone and helps you not to break (laughs) your cable. Um, And then a bracelet, which is red panda colors on purpose. Um, You might be onto something here. I know. And, (laughs) you know, what I really want to highlight is the weirdos of the animal world. And I think... um, that's some of the allure of like what Animals Anonymous was able to do, which was incredible, which was um, highlight some of those animals that zookeepers were taking care of that they couldn't buy anything with them on it. And it's just like, I want to scream from the mountaintops that I am a kiwi keeper. But right. like, unless I go to New Zealand, I cannot find anything with a kiwi on it. I have a really hard time finding binturong and tree kangaroo things. Yeah. And I really want them. Well, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, that's heard, heard. That's what I'm here for. I'm trying to create that stuff. But also, like, you know, three years ago, could you find anything with a sloth on it? Absolutely not. Now can you find a sloth Christmas blanket with also Santa hats? Yes, you can. Oh, absolutely. Even just a couple years ago, red pandas weren't popular. Yeah. And now I had a friend last Christmas who was giving out red panda Christmas cards. And I was like, oh, are you into pandas? And she's like, no, they were just cute. I found them at Target. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. So to me, it's like... Yes, we protect the animals that we're interested in, but also let's wear them. Let's make them icons. Um, I don't know exactly how to create that thing, but like I'm out here trying to put Kalugos on something because has the general person heard of a Kalugo? Would they, I have not heard of a Kalugo. Would they like them? You would. I can promise you because it's like a monkey bat and it's weird. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and, as soon as this is over, I'm going to Google that. Yeah, they, well, I don't know if that's... Say it and I'll fact check it afterwards. (laughs) They like turn their uh, wing inside out to like poop. It's super weird looking. I don't know. (laughs) This isn't great for a podcast. Google a picture of them and eventually one pooping will come up and it's really bizarre. And I love it and I can't help it. It's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting John again. Hey again. So. Lauren is totally right. You need to Google Kalugos. It is spelled C-O-L-U-G-O-S. These guys are incredible. Kalugos are nocturnal tree-dwelling mammals that um, are pretty darn small. They're they're maybe a foot long, a little bit longer than that. And um, they are insanely good gliding animals. They can they can go literally two to 400 feet on a single glide, which is amazing. Uh, They basically look like lemurs, but with wings. And that's just insane. You just, you have to see these guys. Um, They're also really weird. They're, They're nocturnal. They can't really climb to get up in trees very well. So they kind of just hop up the tree using their claws to, to stick in along the way. And, um, they're really weird looking. They are, they're herbivores and they are placental mammals, but 
they basically raise their kids like marsupials. So newborn colugos are really underdeveloped and really, really small when they are born. And then they spend six months of their life clinging to their mother's belly. So they don't actually go into a real pouch, but their mom curls her tail and folds her uh, patagium into uh, almost a real pouch to protect and transport the kids. And then for those six months, they continue to develop much like a marsupial. These guys are so weird, but they are so cute and they are so cool. Definitely check them out. Okay, back to the interview. So I want to open the floor to you now and tell me if there are any conservation organizations or individuals or just anything in the world that you want to give like a shout out to or talk about. Um, I've been following Aussie Arc a lot this year with the wildfires. I'm really excited about like what they're doing. So they buy up a bunch of land and then they fence it off and they rid it of um, non-natural predators like cats and foxes that shouldn't be there that are totally decimating like small populations of weird things like bilbies and um, there's several organizations in Australia that are doing the same things, um, but I like how they're doing it. Um, they also are doing an incredible job with Tasmanian devils. Um, so they have a healthy population, uh, they're breeding well, and they're reintroducing them into these, like, basically safe pens. Um, so they're like wild Tazzies, but... Um, Which is awesome because Tazzies right now are under serious threat from something called devil facial tumor disease. Yes. And it's 100% um, fatality, right? Mm -hmm. And it is it is slowly killing the population of Tasmanian devils. Yeah. And they're pretty non-existent on the mainland, so they're trying to bring them back to the mainland. And since the bushfires, they are kickstarting a project to do a captive release um, koala project. So I think that's really exciting. I think that those type projects are going to save species and, um, I'm interested in seeing what they do. Very cool. And then that leads to the Rasafari poop story. Hit me. So I think one of the most offensive things that an animal has done to me involving poop is you know how flamingos filter feed and they like stick their face down in water mm -hmm. generally water and smack around in it well they also sometimes do this to their own feces and then sometimes they're as tall as you i don't know if you've noticed but i'm kind of short you are you are uh-huh so sometimes they stick their face in their own feces and then they bite your nose and then it goes in your eyeball <laughs> oh no and it smells like shrimp. Poop. No, no, that's not great. That's not great. Um, do you, was this here? Oh, no. That was when I was a wee intern at Cincinnati. So Colleen takes care of this exact flamingo. She can tell you more about how much of a jerk he can be. Who, who is it? <laughs> it was Mambo. Mambo? Okay, nice. Yeah, lots of people know Mambo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Mambo the, fl fl Mambo the flamingo just... Wow. Yeah, he uh, didn't like his enrichment, which was live fish, and bit me right on the nose with a poop beak. Well, that's what you get for giving Mambo live fish. Fair yeah. is fair. Yeah. yeah, so. All right. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. This has been a lot of fun. No, thank you. Yay, 
Yay, Lauren. That was a lot of fun. I think she is a very cool, very unique person. And if you haven't had a chance to do so yet, check out her company, Kairos Creature Collective, at Kairos Creature Collective. That's K-A-I-R-O-S on Instagram or KairosCreatureCollective.com. And also, don't forget to check out our friends at the Nashville Zoo at NashvilleZoo.org or on Instagram and Facebook at Nashville Zoo. And remember, kids, a kangaroo is a marsupial. Marsupial. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at Rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.